Hello and welcome to the All About Valley podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kale Financial and Strathclyde House Buyers. Kale Financial are proud supporters of local communities and specialise in helping you protect what matters most for your family, your lifestyle and even your income. They have it covered. Kale Financial are now offering free wills regardless of whether or not you need any other service. Go check them out on the website www.kale-financial.co.uk or check them out on Facebook, Twitter or even Instagram. Strathclyde House Buyers are a local property solutions company who specialise in helping people sell their property quickly with no fees. If you or anyone you know are looking for a fast, stress-free sale, check them out on the website www.strathclydehousebuyers.com on Facebook or on Instagram. I don't really know how to introduce you, mate. I know. I'm like, how do you introduce other people? Well, you've got a high resume. You've got all this stuff. You've done. I've seen you've had Mark Dallas on the show, mate. Well, I, I've actually not had him on the show. Have you not? Uh, he, <laughs> no, no. He, um, phone him and get him down the now. <laughs> I get him coming down. No, he. Uh, Fuck that. He's not taking my fucking spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's an old-fashioned wrestling mentality. He's not taking my spot. Yeah, He's I, not taking my spot. He's not taking my spot in the roster. Um, he actually no, because he came down. For the, the challenge thing I was doing. That's so we true. did a fitness type thing and then um but he never actually came on the podcast. He, I'm sure he will at one point, but yeah, definitely will. we had the better version of him here today. Chris no, too. Don't know about that. That's the, uh, you're, you're, the, you're, you're the you're the you're the you're the main man in this equation for sure. He, <laughs> all his partner is based on you. <laughs> it used to be. There's a few that have uh, been tarred with that brush right enough, not just him. So uh aye, no, it's Nice to be here, mate. I've listened to a few episodes, so listen to the one with Big Stupid Blaze. <laughs> you know I mean, got to, got to listen to Blaze. He's a he's a comedian subconsciously, right? Enough, yeah, but, for uh, sure. Some boy, but I uh, thanks very much for having me, man. No, man, it's amazing. It's, there's a lot um, to you. Might tell the listeners who I am. I got a bash. So you've you've your ICW legend is the way I would put it, and then. You've done a lot of acting as well, you were in the Scott Squad. And that scene in the Scott Squad where you you get in the, the, the bed for the guy's grave is one of the funniest sketches I've like ever that. seen. Aye, that was good. That was <sighs> good fun, man. It was so funny. It was fun filming that. That was that was a good laugh. I must admit. See when he taps your head, then you just <laughs> it's a look that you give him but <laughs> that look had me in stitches for days, man. I watched it so many times. Aye, well you'll have been there, you know what I mean, folk when you're when you're disabled, folk can have condescending attitudes to you, you know what I mean? So mm. it's uh, I'm sure you've you've ran into it yourself. Well I've definitely not run into it, but I've I've experienced that. Eh? Yeah right, you see the second that was out my fucking mouth on you, you were gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> See this is the thing, is it's became this ongoing thing. How many how many wheelchair jokes can Keen make in one episode? Oh, well, I'm sure we'll find out. Uh, that could be that could be like a drinking game. It could, it could be, like... be. Aye, but if if we can get through this within about an hour I'm sure People would end up in fucking intensive care with the amount of jokes that we could, they could make at each other's expense. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> between, between me trying to be a stand-up comedian and not being able to stand up, and you. Know, <laughs> no, exactly. I'm a sit-down comedian. <laughs> exactly, I'm a sit-down comedian. I feel like it's funny for me though because my family are so sick of all the jokes. Oh, no they, 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 they hate it. No doubt. It's like, see when I go for dinner with my in-laws or something like that, um, my girlfriend's dad is a, the king of the dad jokes. 
but I've known him that long now that he's recycling them again. Do you know what I mean? So I, I can imagine how your family feel. I'm going to be honest with you. Now. <laughs> yeah, well, Paul must be sitting there like that. Is he going to? Is he going to make that same joke again? Well, I turned up before you, and Paul was like, oh, "Hopefully, I'll not turn up today. I can't listen to him today." <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. I'm going to put them through this table after this. After. <laughs> um, but no, there's there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. But open book, mate. Battering. To you know, because you do quite a few, you do quite a few podcasts yourself. But we, I do I do uh, two that I'm regular. Um, I do one that I'm kind of in and out because I'm just like a kind of backup for the main the main. Uh, Roster, if you would call uh. it. So one of them, my main one that I do is football daft. Um, that's get one attached to it called Celtic daft. Um, and I do one with my mate called the Great Scott Cinema Club. And I'll be honest with you, that's my favourite one that I do. I do it with my mate Keezy. And that's just a hobby. Because, I, because I'm into movies and stuff like that, I said to my pal, even before we started football daft, I says, when we'll start a movie podcast. He's like, I'm your man. So we've done that, and we've got a, we've got a loyal wee following. A lot of people uh, listen to the show, and the people that listen regularly interact with us online and stuff like that. It's great. Um, then not long after I started that, um, I got a phone call from Grado. He says, "Listen, we're looking for a new, uh, a new host for Football Daft. You and Cameron had just left, and he had brought in Stephen Purden." Mm-hmm. But as I'm sure you know, Kieran, um, it was two buenos, two buenoses, mm-hmm. and they needed like a something a token Tim to balance it out. And so, yeah, they got a they got a token Tim and a disabled person at the same time. So I ticked two boxes for them. Do you know what I mean? And that's <laughs> the equality angle sorted, and somebody to balance out their horrible Ranger supporting attitudes. <laughs> Well, that sums up pretty well. I think, you know, it's so disappointing to me that Gredo's a Rangers fan now. Do you know what? If it, if he wasn't a Rangers fan, he wouldn't be the same person he is. And he's, over the past couple of years, he's become one of my closest mates. So, Fair you know, man. he's uh, he's a great guy. And never let anybody be judged on the team that they support. Unless they give you a reason to judge them for it, you know what I mean? Aye, well, there's plenty of reasons to judge Rangers fans. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like I, I always... I'm alienating the, the Rangers. I need to get a, I need to get a, like a Rangers football player here, on here or something because I, everybody Aye. keeps saying to me like I've had the foundation well, and that one and you, stuff. Do you know if you if you contact Rangers, I'm sure they would send you somebody. Aye, you know, um, me, like, just really. to explain what the podcast's about and stuff like that. And you know, they're they're, they're usually more than happy to send somebody. Uh, not quite so much to football daft anymore because of the amount of slaggings that I give the players, you know what I mean? But aye, um it's uh it's quite easy. See if you if just contact their like their press office and stuff like that and see aye, if you can aye. see if you can get anybody. It's not it's not It's not that I can't do it, it's just that I'm just kinda I'm not sure. Not Don't sure be daft, that. man, listen, they'll just <laughs> they go up and they put their fucking socks on before their shoes the same as me and you. Well, I don't do that, but... Ah, you do, you're wearing socks and shoes. I mean... You get somebody to do it. I I can do pretty much everything except for putting on the shoes, which is the bane of my life. Aye, It can be the most frustrating thing when you get ready, you're in the chair, and you're like, oh, aye, it's not acceptable just to leave without socks and shoes on. Aye, but how though? 
See if you don't have a wheelchair, why not? Exactly. Can we start? Can if we you start get smelly feet? No, actually, although I will say they're not like the the best thing to look at. Aye, <laughs> fucking cloven hooves. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it, man. Aye, I maybe want to cover them up then. You know what I mean? We need to start a movement. Make it socially acceptable to not wear shoes if you're in a wheelchair. Do you know what? Back to the sixties, mate. The times are exactly. times are Woodstock and stuff like that. Nobody had a pair of shoes back then. So everyone always says to me, like, never trust a guy in the wheelchair with dirty shoes, and I've always got dirty shoes. Like, <laughs> how is that possible? I've never heard that one. I've heard never trust a skinny chef. But <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've never heard that one. A guy in a wheelchair with dirty shoes, that's a good one. Aye, that's, but that's quite, that's quite an old one. I've not, I've not used that in a while. I'm going to use that in a promo. <laughs> Go for it. Um, um, no, I, uh, your promo skills are actually pretty good, man. Like, I've, I, like, I've, I've been a big fan of how you... Deliver them all the time. Have you been watching the new stuff on the on the network? Yeah, I've I've checked out a few things and Aye. there's so much wrestling content out there though. There is well the ICW um is on the network, the WWE network now, so That must and, be amazing. And yeah. we're on Peacock Peacock T V in America as well, so it's we're reaching we've got a the the amount of households that we can reach are in I think it's in like the tens of millions now. So it's unbelievable. From where it's came from when I joined. You know, we, I joined and the first show that I'd done was the biggest show that they'd ever done. And it was just over a thousand people at it. And then at the height, when we were at our, we were at our best, I would say, we, were, we brought in over seven and a half thousand at the Hydro. Do you know what I mean? So for a small Scottish regional show mm-hmm. to be able to do that, the biggest independent wrestling show in 35 years or something it was, since Big Daddy wrestled Giant Haystacks at Wembley. So when you look at that, you know what I mean. It's how far we've came has been unbelievable. Um, but I've I'm finally now getting my chance to go out on my own. You know, we I've got a, a group of guys, uh, one Sicky Bali and John Tretton is the other one, and we're called the Lads. And you know, we just play it for fun. And now I think I, they're trusting me more on my own. Whereas in the past, things had happened where. They had put me with somebody that maybe wasn't invested in working with me. Thought that maybe I was a bit of a joke character, but they don't realise that there's always a place in wrestling for comedy. And if you only need to look at Gradle, you know what I mean? The guy's the biggest independent wrestler in Europe by a distance, you know? So to think that there's there's no space in wrestling for comedy is just stupidity. It's stunted, much like my growth. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> say that one. I'm like, because it's normally me that's insulting myself, not somebody else. No, no, that's it. But you spoke about actually, like the journey of how this has all evolved into something really crazy when you think about it. Aye. But when I was talking to David Blaze about it, he mm. was saying how how hard it was when you're first coming in, and they really just, you know, they put you through like this intense. You know, years ago, obviously now they put you know. The program to to learn and mm. the the kind of you know journey you had to go through to actually get to that point. See for you, mm. something that I'll, I I in a lot of ways I've looked up to you for for quite a while because uh, and you're the only person that's ever looked up to me. <laughs> well, I, I'm sitting down, so really it's just not you know it's yeah, still I, you're still higher up than me right enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that I think that's probably a first. Is that a first? I think that's a first. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but 
Honestly, I, I keep getting a thought and then like your partner's too quick for me now. I need to, I need to catch up here, get my coffee or something. Sorry, we're um, saying uh, David Blaze would say that the journey to get a name was hard, but for me. So, aye, so, because I always thought, you know, I, I've loved wrestling from a young age and it's probably mm. my first love before football even. Aye. Um, which is mad to think about. But I always thought it was quite disheartening because I always wanted to get into it and do something like mm. some sort of anything really Dang. and there was never any sort of representation of any idea that you could do that Aye. and I think you were the first guy that I looked at and I, I was like oh that's so, you know I, they're actually starting to include us a wee bit and he's obviously doing really well and it's like I could I could do something wrestling with him you know what I mean that Aye. was I remember thinking that when I was a wee guy so do you know what I say it's actually really nice for you to say that to be honest but my, my first thoughts, I'll be honest with you, my first thoughts when I got involved in wrestling wasn't about representing disability or anything like that. I just, like yourself, had been a fan. And I, I knew that my personality, like, my mum had always told me when I was growing up, you know, like, when I, when I, when it was time for me to go to primary school, they, they tried to get me to go to a special school, right? And I say a special school, you know what I mean? I, like a supported learning kind of, yeah. kind of thing um, and my mum's like there's absolutely no way because like I wasn't in any way mentally challenged you know I didn't need any sort of like special teaching or anything like that I, I could learn the same way as anybody else could learn I just had like limited mobility to a certain extent so she always brought me up to say look you're no different to anybody else you maybe can't do some of the things that other boys and girls can do but you know you're you're smarter than a yeah. lot of them, you know uh-huh. what I mean? So it, it, that was kind of drilled into me at an early age. Um, and from then on, really, I've never really uh, let anything get on top of me or let anything hold me back from a from a standpoint that, you know, if I can, I can let my personality speak for itself, you know? And I think once people meet me and get to know me and stuff like that, they they see that, so it's, I, the same as yourself, obviously, you've got this podcast, it's taken off, everybody knows that, everybody's talking about it and stuff like that, so, you know, when you, when you finally asked me to do this show, I was like, what the fuck took him so long, you know what I mean, so, I, it was, uh, the same as yourself, anybody that can, that's in a position where, we, I don't want people to look at disabled people and think, because they're physically disabled, that they're mentally disabled because they're, they're not, you know what I mean? There's no there's no mental issues with yourself, there's no mental issues with me. Anybody that I've that I've met, you know, it doesn't there's see to be honest with you, the, there's more there's people in within wrestling that haven't got the mental capacity that you and I have got in their physical specimens, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so there's there's a space for that sort of they sort of people, but there's also a space for people like yourself and, and for me who can help further on storylines mm-hmm. without a physical side to it. You know, don't get me wrong, I've been in the ring and I've had my first years uh bumps and bruises and stuff like that and injuries, but um to say that I can't do it because I'm disabled would be ignorant, you know. Yeah, and you've obviously I mean that's you've obviously had a really great career with it all and, and been a big mainstay in ICW the whole way through pretty much. Uh, it's been fun since I've been in there's been a there was a I was out for a year at one point because storyline wise Dallas fired me. 
right. Right. Uh, so we fell out and he fired me and I was out for a year. Um, and then in the lead up to the big show the next year, a part of the storyline was about him trying to redeem himself if he being an arsehole, back to being our arsehole, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, we, we filmed it around about here, actually. We, uh, we filmed it at, where was it? Bag of Nails, just down it. Oh, and uh, we filmed a scene where he's trying to coax me to come back. So I'm not listening to him, I want nothing to do with him. And then he starts singing the Home and Away theme tune to me, you know we belong together, you know <laughs> what I mean? And uh, they, they played that over the screens at the show, And but I'd, I got up, he gets up and walks out because I'm not listening to him. But then I follow him out and I follow it up with the second half of the song. You know what I mean? Like, and from the very first moment <laughs> I saw you. And you see, when I came out the door and the crowd knew what was going to happen when I started singing, the fucking roof nearly came off the place, man. You know what I mean? So that was that was where I thought I was going to become a regular again, but it kind of tapered off again. And then COVID happened. So COVID happened and wrestling was put to the side. But then when we got the word that we could start to film stuff behind closed doors, Dallas realised that he needed characters. You know what I mean? For to yeah. keep for to keep people's attention alongside the wrestling. And he did characters and straight away he came to me and he says, I want you to come in. I'm going to do a bit where you're looking for new talent to, to manage and promote. I said, right, no problem. And he put me with Saqib, who I had been with before. But the difference in Saqib from when I worked with him at the beginning until now is night and day. Honestly, I, he's, his comedic timing and stuff like that is absolutely spot on. And we bounce off each other so well. And we've got this young boy... John Trenton, who's coming through ways as well, who we're kind of trying to bring through, bring out his, his character and stuff. Um, he's been sidelined with, with an injury at the moment, so he's been kind of off screen. So it's been more means to keep, but it's been great fun, man. Honestly, like from the start, right all the way through, this is probably my favourite time in wrestling just now. Well, that's amazing, considering how long you've been doing it. And mm-hmm. You were talking about your relationship with Dallas there. Mm. For me, like, see, in wrestling, because everyone's so, such a tight-knit group and you're mm. travelling everywhere and you're doing all this stuff all the time, mm. is it hard to always be on good terms with people, even even if you are? Uh, I had, when I first came in, I thought I was Jackie Lad, you know what I mean? I, I made, you know, Malachi Black, who's yeah. with AEW, yeah. Tommy End. Tommy's a good friend of mine now, but uh, one of the first times I met him, I just was getting so far on his nerves, it was unbelievable. And, you know, that way I was just being myself, but I, I don't drink anymore, right? But when I used to drink, it would elevate, it would, like, amplify me by about 50, you know what I mean? So I would go from... I told tools a funny wee guy to somebody going to tell him to shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know what I mean? And... That so happened, like, when I was out and I would get out of my comfort zone, I would be in places, and I'm sure, again, this is something that you can relate to. Folk, like, when you're out at, at pubs or whatever, you're a bit of a magnet for arseholes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that would happen to me, and I would I would take offence, and then my mates would get involved, and I've lost count of the amount of times that a fight started because I've snapped back at somebody. 
and I got the name of being a bit of troublemaker, to be honest with you, but it wasn't, that wasn't the case. But So what I thought to myself was, right, how do I eradicate this? How do I, how do I get rid of this? And I thought, do you know, the one common denominator when all of this is happening is I've got a drink in my hand. So I just thought to myself, get fucking rid of the drink. And I did. So, um, getting back to your original point, I, uh, it's, it is quite hard to stay on good terms with a lot of people you have run-ins, you have, you have disagreements, you've got, you've got people that think that they're something they're not, um, you've got people who don't have the confidence that they should have because they're not a much better performer than they give themselves credit for, and people trample all over the top of these sort of people, you know what I mean? So, yeah. it's hard to stand back and watch people treating people a certain way and not say, wait a minute, this guy's an arsehole kind of thing. So, I, do you know what it's like? It's like any workplace, you don't like everybody that you work with, right? And if you do, then you're a better man than me. Um, you don't like all your mates' mates. You don't like all your girlfriends' pals. There's certain members of your family, I'm sure, that you would be glad to never have to see again. You know what I mean? So, it's just like in any walk of life, you're not going to go on with everybody that you meet. But that doesn't mean that you should be ignorant or or an arsehole to them because, you know, then that gives them a reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it sounds like you had a lot of growth in that time where you realised and you put this drink down and, and stop doing this. And there's a lot to unpack from what you said there, but mm-hmm. what you were saying when you, like, how you, <laughs> you can attract the arseholes, that is very much true. And I feel like I had very similar sort of experience to that. Mm-hmm. The only difference was I kind of went the opposite way rather than being... Um, Responsive and you would go into yourself. I was just kind of yeah, I would go into myself, and that's sort of where the depression and anxiety and stuff came into. Well, you know, I when I used to go out to a nightclub in Cope Bridge, um, it was called the Edge, right? And there was a, there was a fella that used to go, and he was in a wheelchair, right? And he was the exact same as me. We were like oil and water, though. We were like oil and water. We just didn't mix well, and like he would, I'd come in and he'd be like, ah, there you go, fucking. They're short arson and all that, and I'd go, I never bother BMX, you know what I mean? <laughs> and fucking, we would, we would slag each other. It, it, it was, to a point, it was it was good natured, you know, like good natured, but this guy was a dick, you know, but I seen a lot of myself in him, and that was another reason I'm like, I need to fucking start behaving myself because it's only going to take you saying something to the wrong person. And they turn around and fucking you are doing, do you know what I mean? So I can understand what you're saying where you've went into yourself and you've let it affect you in a negative manner because it, luckily I, I had a strong role model in my mum that wouldn't let me, do you know what I mean? She'd be like, ah, no, fucking, like if I was lying in bed, I was having a bad day or whatever, right, get your ass out of bed, get up, yeah. get out, go and get your shoes on, go, and, go out and see your pals or whatever, you know, she wouldn't let me rest in my laurels and be be depressed or whatever and I I think that's why for a long time I didn't really understand the whole depression and mental health thing because it was it took me to to meet somebody who I fell in love with to realise that mental health issues are definitely definitely a huge factor in a lot of people's lives you know what I mean don't get me wrong that's nearly 8 years ago so I've, I've known for a long time now but back before that, because I, I wasn't affected by it, 
I was like, ah, how can you not just smile and go on with it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But definitely now, I mean, I've lost a friend to to suicide within the last couple of years, Adrian Lineheart, who who I'm sure you'll you'll know who I'm talking about. And it was she for the outside looking in, he he projected this image being the most happy go lucky guy ever. You know what I mean? But it was a mask. And I would obviously urge anybody who's listening to the show just now, if you do feel as if you're struggling, speak out because it's a it's a chance for some for people to help you. You know, there's you might not know the help that you need because you've not asked anybody for help. So it's a it's a horrible, horrible affliction to be affected by. But don't let it get to the point where you feel as if you've got no other option than to do something silly, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a permanent solution to a temperance problem. That's it, really. Exactly. And that is, you're putting that well. Um, and a lot of people say, oh, it's the coward's way out, it's the coward's way out. It's not the coward's way out. It's, for me, it's the bravest thing that you could do is end your own life. How, how, how much courage must it take to do that, right? But you need to realise the people that it affects. I know... The people around about you. See, for what I remember the day I got that call that Adrian had passed away, and honestly, man, I I felt as if I had been hurt in my stomach with a sledgehammer, because I know that if he had have just said to somebody, you know, yeah. as much as not everybody gets on. See, when one is are down, everybody kind of huddles around them. Mm-hmm. You know, my mum passed away last year and I got messages for Big Drew. I get messages for Tommy and people that were over in America, you know, that day. Oh, so it's like a, everybody huddles around and, and protects you, regardless of whether you're on the other side of the planet or not. And I always remember when Adrian passed away, it was... One of the things that Drew said was, why did he not just message me? Did he have this sort of trouble? Was it was there money issues? I could have sorted him out. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a case of Adrian had reached the end of his tether. And it was... I don't ever want to see anybody that I know or love, or even anybody that I don't love, in that position where they feel as if they've not got anybody to talk to or they've got no, no place to go. No direction to go other than do that, you know. It's it's horrible, and I don't know the extent of your uh, your depression and and that sort of uh, thing that you ended up falling into when when you did. But uh, how did you get around it? How did you? Who was there for you? You know. Well. I've, my, my family have always been really supportive um, and I, it was more of a kind of gradual, well, I think for me the biggest thing was I wasn't, I had this idea in my head I couldn't do anything, so I, everyone around me would say, you know, it's in a wheelchair so it doesn't, you doesn't need to do that, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to work out because you've got it hard enough already, so... Mm. Anything I wanted to try, I've always had this sort of drive to want to do more things, mm. and 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 be and be active and, and just 
gewoon pure energetic and do a lot of things. Aye, I've seen some of your videos, by the way. Some of your like your workout videos and stuff like that. Like I was saying with Dallas, the when you were doing the challenge. It's it's really impressive, mate. To be honest with you, you know it's 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 quite inspiring as well because I didn't think at any point. Like, I, I remember a few years back, I went to the gym. And I signed up for the gym site unseen, and then when I went in, there was so much stuff there that I couldn't use. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- I thought to myself, do you know what, I'm just going to cancel this membership. And I did straight away, but in the past couple of weeks, I've signed back up for the gym again. So it's watching watching like videos of yourself and, and people in the same position as you, that, that inspired me as well to, to get back to it. Also... My fucking gut inspired me to, <laughs> to get back to it as well. My lockdown gut, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, it's it is inspiring, and I and I can see where the where you're going with us because see after I I done I only joined last week and I've done three sessions so far, right? And see after the first session, I was like, oh, that was fucking brilliant. I felt like a million bucks after it. Do you know what I mean? Don't get me yeah. wrong, I didn't look like a million bucks. I looked like see one of them mad. If you touch the sides with the metal ring hanging and it buzzes, <laughs> that's what I looked like when I come out. Like, like your feet, <laughs> come out like, like one of your feet. But anyway, I it's it, it's excellent, isn't it? It, like, it does it, and I, I don't yeah, know great. for yourself as well. Like I've I've heard stories. I don't know about. I said, well, that's just real, no right. But um, but what what is your condition? Cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy, right? Do you have feeling on your legs? Yes. Right. Okay. Right, so. Everything works as well, by the way, ladies, just so you know. Um, oh, my sister isn't looking listening to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? She might be looking to trade me in for the new model. But, uh, I so, like, have you ever heard of the, the, obviously the Olympics are on just now, right? Yeah. So, after that, the Paralympics are going to be on, right? So, um, have you heard of the Paralympic weightlifters, what they used to do? Uh, no, no, I elaborate. I'm not. Right, so, you know, if you get any sort of injury, the adrenaline in your body immediately rushes and it, it tries to cover it up, right? So the the Paralympic weightlifters and hand cyclists, they used to let them break their toes before they went to do their their uh, their their weightlifting or their cycling because it would naturally get their adrenaline up and it would make them perform better and there wouldn't be any trace of performing enhancement drugs in there. Right, so like it, exactly, do you know what I mean? So these, obviously, they made that it, it was illegal. They shouldn't have been doing it, but there was no way for them to to know if they were doing it or not because what are you going to do? You can't. They're not declaring any injuries or anything like that, are they? Mm-hmm. So they would like break their toes, and because like paraplegic people or whatever have got no feeling there, they wouldn't feel their toe getting broke. However, their body would still respond to it with the adrenaline. What? Aye. So if you had no if you had no feeling in your toes, you could have got a hammer. <laughs> I've just beat my personal best by forty two fucking pounds. Amazing. Oh man, like see, I can't even do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> can't can do it wrong, right? Oh, that, I'm always. I felt like I've always been in this sort of weird middle ground where you're. you're mm. I'm too able to play this sport. But I'm too disabled to play this other sport. Have you never thought of, like, I know it's a terrible name, right, but have, have you ever watched the documentary Murderball? 
Oh, yeah, I've definitely heard of that. And uh, it's it's basically wheelchair rugby. Yeah, yeah. It was it's mad that you used to call it that. There was a guy Mike Kerr had on uh, months ago. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a Paralympian for um He's the only Scottish rugby wheelchair rugby player to play in the GB team. Really? And the captain did as well. Did he? That's but amazing. he was talking about it in that sport when it was murder ball as well. It's just one of the most crazy sports ever. Like you should watch a documentary, mate. I'll, I'll definitely. Is it on Netflix? I don't know if it's on Netflix. I watched it years ago. It's an old documentary for, I'll, I'll for a long it. time ago, but it's it's tremendous. You should get a watch, definitely. Have you never thought about any sort of wheelchair sports or anything like that? Well, I play I play power chair football. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. and maybe actually I should. Is that the one where you get what the the attachments to the bottom of your chair kind of thing? And yeah, it's essentially football. Um, except maybe I could. Maybe we could. It's like human subutio. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was gonna. It's like um, it's like uh, what's that? What's the, the thing? It's like dodgems. Um, so, I hate the dodgems. See, because of my back can. I know it's terrible. Maybe we should pull it. We could pull up a wee clip and show show what I'm talking about. I but it's uh, well, well, we'll wait for that. I'll, I'll kind of talk you through it. So, power football um, is it's not like it's like you're in you're not in my a manual chair is like the one with the it's not it's not that it's like a power chair so it's a a battery chair. Ah, my boy's got a battery chair. And it's um, it's got a like bumper on it. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it's four aside, and you get certain rules to where like two players kind of go in to each other. So like if I have the ball and two defenders come to me, it's a foul, right? Because no one wheelchair can get past two chairs at the same time. It's not. It stops it from becoming that sort of. Um, you know, yeah, I understand that. And then you want because you want to space it out and pass it, and you want you want the game to be. So tell me, that's how do you pass it? Do you just like run your chair into the ball and well, hope for the fucking best? It's 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 more skillful than you would think, and uh, um, it's easier to explain when we get the video up. But what I'll say is that when it started, we started out with the wee crappy cheap NHS chairs that were dead slow, and now you're. It's like ping pong, mate. It's dead fast. Aye. You can pass the ball about. It's great. That's what I was saying. My wee boy's got a, an electric wheelchair, and mate, get him involved. Definitely get him involved, then. for sure. Like he'd love it. I'm sure he'd love it. He probably would love it. Actually. I'm actually he's the, he's football daft as well. Not to be, not to talk to to him on horn, but I'm the Scotland captain. You're the Scotland captain for it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, so. right. Get us up. You must be decent. <laughs> right. See, this is this is. T- Do you know what? We don't need to show it on the show. Just send me the clip. No, ah, I'll show Um, but that's amazing. So you're you're actually like a full international. Yeah. Um, Tremendous. And I'm the, the. I was the first player to play to score in the English league as well. Who do you play for? What um, club? So right now I play for Clyde. Right. But this is maybe a good discussion because there's when I came into it. It pretty much changed my life because I had a big thing about not wanting to be around people in wheelchairs um, because it reminded me of the fact that I was in a wheelchair and I hated it. Um, it's just that search to want to be normal and want to fit in and you didn't feel like... It just reminded me about how I wasn't like that. So when I first came into the sport, um, I stayed because one of the coaches was really nice to me and he was really supportive and I, and I kept coming back to him. And then eventually I started to be like, this is good and these people are nice. And it made me realise that the fact that we could have a conversation, I, like, I felt less different. I started to realise that it was not so much the fact that I was in a chair, but the fact that um, 
there's a stigma to it. There's a big stigma to it where mm-hmm. you, you have to you you're made to feel different, really. That's that's the thing. Absolutely. And um, basically, with the sport, it's growing a lot. But we've the biggest club we've got in the news, Clyde, and I'm trying to get Celtic Rangers involved. Um, so I did the foundation thing, mm-hmm. and what I've been saying to them is, having Celtic Rangers involved would would be like a big, huge game changer. Absolutely. For it because. The reason why I was explaining the impact it has on me is the fact that I want it to be here for when I'm not here. So I want it to be here for the next 50 odd years or 100 mm. years or whatever. 100 you know years? I mean? You're giving yourself a fair old fucking lifetime now. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. I mean, like, after me. <laughs> I know what you mean, like, mate. I know what I'm you mean. like, it's just because right now it's all volunteer based, right? So mm. the only way to sustain it, the only reason why, even when you look at mainstream football and women's football, the main coverage comes from the big clubs. And we don't have them in yet. Um, but there's like Manchester United and mm-hmm. West Brock, all these all these big teams in England they're playing. So we just need to So they've all got official teams as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's like there's definitely scope for it. And I'm talking to the foundation just now. So do you play in gym holes? Yes. Right, okay. It's like a basketball. Let me court. Me a little bastard trying to get through the grass in your wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like a basketball court. And um, yeah. I'd be, I'd have, I'd happily take and your. How many players on each team? So it's it's four aside, and there's like a you can get you can have a maximum of a squad of eight. Right. Um, but the way it's played out, you get you get a goalkeeper, a middle player, and two wide players. Right. Okay. And the two wide players are essentially the striker, and the middle player kind of is the one that gets the ball moving. So it's it's there's there's a lot more technical skill to it than people think. I think mm-hmm. the reason why. Um, it's not. This is one of the reasons why the podcast is is becoming something that's really important because I'm trying to make people aware of the fact that get it out there. Yeah, having having this in place, where it would make not even just in football, but see socially, mm-hmm. see having like weak kids in wheelchairs being able to say, "Did you see that Celtic Rangers game last night? That was for publisher football. That would be huge." Rangers have fucking hammered us again. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, if there was a Celtic Rangers football team, that won't be happening. Cause I would what would you do if Rangers came in and tried to sign you? Um, pff, you can't uh, Well, I've speaking to Celtic, and if they do do it, um, they've already we've already kind of discussed who would be the first. And they Clyde know this? Uh, well, see, they do now. <laughs> the, I think the, the see the thing is as well. I have a lot of. I think you're saying more than your prayers here, mate. You're going to end up getting sacked for Clyde. Clyde's, Clyde has done all for me, and I, and I actually, um, I've been, I've, I've actually, I'm the only player that's been there since the first ever session before there was even any clubs of that. And unfortunately, the other, the other uh, four guys over there are no longer with us. But uh, the actually being in Clyde, they helped me. You know, the people there helped me mature from like a a, a wee guy that was. Very angry at the world to somebody that could handle himself. So I'm magic, mate. That's it. So that that gets back to the point that we were talking about with the depression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you've obviously then started getting into a gym, but you find that uh, the wheelchair football is that's helped you mature as a person and get over the stigmas that are attached to your condition as well. Definitely. Tremendous. And now to be at a point where like. It's weird for me as well because oh, I need to join a midget football league. <laughs> I, I would, I would watch it. I would watch it. I would watch it. See, Jester, Jester's favorite thing in the entire world is watching me run. 
right? So see if there was 22 of us on a pitch running about, he would have it on the telly 24-7. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if they would make the goals weird for us. Surely. Can yeah. I have a well, they, they don't do it for women, do they? And the women's goalies are about the same fucking height as me. <laughs> Can't have eleven aside, eleven aside goals, man. Be like the score would be about 20, 20 each. I know, but we can't kick it far, right. so you never know. It might be the worst thing ever, but it might be the best thing ever. I would definitely watch it. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, like lads, can you get us watching this? Let us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shock factor. That is like, I bet that's a lot of these things. Tell oh. me this one. Sorry for interrupting Sorry, you. Right, see. Wheelchair football, is it kind of like that game on the PlayStation? The Rocket League? Rocket League, is it like that? Um, maybe, maybe, maybe that's right, maybe that's like, it's probably the closest comparison you could make. They should do a skin for Rocket League, where it's wheelchair players. That would be unbelievable, man. Could you imagine that? That'd be that tremendous, be... Let's try and get that done. Let's put it forward to them. Yeah. We're done yeah, we should definitely do that. I, I could, that'd be amazing. Because it's all of it's all of this is exposure. It's all about trying to get the word out. And I'm see now that I'm seeing one of the big things for me that's been so strange is mm. seeing being a guy that's now sort of grown up and became somebody that the new ones look up to, and mm. you start seeing the new ones come through that I've got the same, the kind of the same, sort of similar issues to what I, what I had. You can put an arm on their shoulder. Yeah. You can be like a mentor kind of thing. But that's why this is such a big, you know, passion for me because mm. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to secure the future of it basically um, by getting these clubs involved. And that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good thing to do. Tell me this, are you proud of the person that you've become? It's a good question. I think, I think, I, I think I know, I know that I'm a good, I know that I'm a good person and I know that I've got a good character. Um, I think I get, I think I get, I think I get frustrated at myself sometimes because I've got high standards for, for what I expect to do mm. with my life, but um, I can be quite up and down. Do you keep going though? See if you, if you meet a roadblock, not, not, literally, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if you meet a roadblock in something that you're trying to do, do you keep going or do you find that you find you going, nah, fuck it? I keep going, but I think that's that's the key to life in a lot of ways sometimes, mm. is, is when you're, because, you know, you're always going to have new issues to face, it's just a case of every issue you come through, you're going to learn from it, you're going to, you know, having been suicidal and been at the point where you're at the train station thinking about throwing yourself in front of it, that's, to go to go from there to, to be where I'm at now is, you need to remember and keep that in your perspective of you can really come through anything you've been you've been at the darkest of the but also don't don't be ashamed if you fall back down I, I've not been doing too well recently um and it's been weird because people have been very much like you're doing so well and uh, these things are these things are going well for you and I'm just like that's I, I think that's my biggest problem is that I struggle to, to acknowledge uh, like achievements I just, mm -hmm. I just always want to keep going and there's been times where I've... Sometimes you need to sit back and smell the roses, my good man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, there was, there was a time where I was... I wanted to do something and I just couldn't... I was writing something, I was trying to write something, and I just couldn't get it right. Do you know that way? Yeah. And I just thought, fuck it. 
And then because I had thought fuck it with that, everything else that had been on the back burner, I just was like, I'm not interested. You know what I mean? And it took something for me personally to snap me out of that funk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it was it was when my mum took ill. You know, um, my mum took ill two years past now. She lasted a year, but unfortunately she. Uh, she lost her fight with cancer, but it was when my mum took ill, I had kind of started doing down the grieving process before she had died, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> when I actually came to her, the time for her to pass away, I felt as if I had done all my grieving already, and it was as though it didn't have the impact on me that it should have had, and I thought to myself, what is wrong with me? You know what I mean? What is wrong with me? I feel as though see when it when it first started off I was crying myself to sleep but when we told her there was nothing when we were told that there was nothing that I could do for her, it was I was crying myself to sleep. I was I was I'm so frustrated. You know what I mean? I was so frustrated that there was nothing that we could do for her. There was nothing that I personally could do for her other than be there for her while she went through this horrible disease. And when she passed away, it was I, I was sitting there and I was looking at her order of service kind of thing and everything kind of lined up in my head. It was as if she was telling me, you know, and everything lined up in my head and then from there on, I've never looked back and it took that personal loss for me to get myself back in order and get my ducks in a row and it was time for me to head on for that, you know, so... You know that way that people say that everything kind of happens for a reason? I, I'm a great believer in that. So the fact that you are where you are today, and again, I'm, I, I asked you if you're proud of the person that you've become, I really think you should be, mate, because you're you're an inspiration for a lot of people. I don't think you probably know that. You know what I mean? So you're, you're an inspiration for a lot of people. And I think... I didn't know half of these stories that you're telling me today. I didn't know about your playing for Scotland and stuff. I, I had no, I, I was very, like, I, I had listened to a couple of shows, like I said, but I was very, like, unaware of some of the stuff that you've told me today. And I think you should 100% be proud of yourself, man, because what you've achieved with the condition that you've got is no mean feat, man. It really is no mean feat. If you look at somebody that's that's able-bodied, right, and they get to captain in their country in any sort of sport, they're lauded for it. Yeah. Why should that be any different for you? Well, that's... I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) Um, I think that that, that point at the end there comes to actually... That's why I want to get I want I want to get it out there. I want I want to get more people talking about it. I want to I want to make sure that this can be as normalized as possible, because also having coverage for for the the actual they had the first ever coverage of the game on BT Sport really? for the English uh, Cup final. Aye, who um, was it? It was Aspire against West Brom. Who against West Brom? Sorry, uh, Aspire. So Aspire. Aspire is like a basically like a London team, so like a right. Chelsea. Equivalent, for mm. example, they probably hate that. I've said that. Not <laughs> be some buzz, man. Imagine there was like one of these uh, wheelchair uh, football teams ended up with like an owner like Abramovich, uh. and they could bring in like 
chairs with F1 engines in them and stuff like that. <laughs> just totally, totally flipped the script completely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I, that's good though. It's, the fact that it's been on the TV is tremendous because that's a that's a that's an in. See, yeah, once you've yeah. got that, people like you said, kids in wheelchairs will be like that. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's what it's all about. But you know, England are England are like ten years ahead of us when it comes to this particular sport. Ten years ahead of us and fucking everything. <laughs> but the th- when you're talking about all that, and I really appreciate you saying saying that, and part of me doesn't quite know how to take it in and respond. But what I'll say is that my my mission now is that every person that follows me. Mm is able to get that recognition and is able to be seen for, for being an athlete and a football player and professional what, and what not just want, something in a wheelchair. What you want is for to be for people in your position to be household names. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for example, there's, he's probably the worst fucking example in the entire world, right? But what do you call that guy that was the, he was the Olympian and he had the blades... Oh, and he fucked Oscar. Oscar Pistorius, right? Yeah. He's probably the worst example of it. But even though he went on to do a bad thing, before that, he was a household name because of what he had achieved, you know? He mm-hmm. actually ran in the Olympics as well. Yeah, yeah, that you know? was incredible. Don't get me wrong, I can't ever see you playing for Scotland in the, in the Olympics, do you know what I mean, in the, in the first team. But <laughs> the same as myself, it's... It, there's always going to be drawbacks to our condition, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you can't become a household name. You know, like if you're on the TV every other week playing playing uh, wheelchair football and you're scoring goals, people are going to know you as the guy that scores the goals. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they'll be like, oh, "That's Kieran. He's the guy that scores the goals." And then, have you ever watched the the wheelchair football? No, 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 mate. You should get a chance because it's entertaining. There's this guy, Kieran. And yeah. that's, that's how it goes for there, you know what I mean? And well, that's one of the big reasons why I started the podcast as well, was thinking about the fact that, yeah, football is big, but the names are always bigger. Like, Messi and Ronaldo are bigger than football itself, probably. I mean, like, you know, when I think of Barcelona, I think of Messi, and I think of, you know, Juventus, I think Ronaldo, so... I still think Ronaldo would be all Madrid. I know, same. I was, I was going to say that, and I thought, I'll just go with where is that. I think he's sporting Lisbon, I think he's Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the the point is is that we we need to keep working to push this door mm-hmm. and get the word out there and say, look, not only should not only is it a quality sport, but it should be getting coverage because see in terms of other sports in the world, football has the biggest especially here, see Scotland, mm-hmm. football is the thing that people talk about the most. Oh, it's definitely still the biggest sport in the world, no matter what you say. I mean, it might not be the biggest sporting event in the world, mm-hmm. but People say, oh, the Super Bowl, right? But the World Cup final gets way, 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 way more viewers than the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. And it, it could be two shitey teams that's in it. It makes uh, no difference, mm-hmm. you know? Like, what was the last World Cup? It was uh, Croatia versus France. No, I France versus Croatia. Wasn't yeah, that, that's right. You know, Croatia shouldn't have been in that World Cup final, let's be honest. But they, they got there. Thank and God. And it still had... Hundreds of millions of viewers. Mm-hmm. Aye, by the way, thank God you're absolutely <laughs> right. Could you imagine that? Mother of God. Well, oh. the, to put it to put it in perspective of how far back we are in a way, mm. you know, the, the England Power Football team won 
the euros, one one hour equivalent of the euros, um, and nobody there was you know there was no fan for no cover. I mean there was people there watching it, but there was not there could have been. Think about the amount of times you go on Sky Sports News, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just talking about English football and football and football and how. Mate, you're not going to tell me that wheelchair football is less entertaining than a game of cricket. And I've seen them covering a game of cricket on Sky Sports News for hours at a time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's go back to Old Trafford where fucking Gloucester are four runs down to Newton Mearns. You know, it's that's boring as fuck. I don't know how anybody enjoys it. Whereas, see if I'm watching essentially folk in cars playing football, I, yeah. I, that's a buzz for me. Do you know what I mean? I know it's not cars, but you know you know yeah. the point I'm making. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that's more entertaining to me yeah. than than a game of cricket or folk cycling on a track. Mate, it's no it's genuinely not that like see when you see when you watch it, you can see how it's football. It's mm. not like you're watching it, but I don't know what this is. You can see how Aye. sport works. And you know, see when I'm playing it as well, you genuinely once you're in the zone and you're playing the game and you're trying to win, you forget. You feel like you're just ki- when I hit the ball, it feels like I'm. Ki- it feels like I'm kicking it. That's what's special about Aye. it. You don't. Brilliant. You don't. You don't think. Oh, this is a chair that's hitting this. It's you that's hitting the ball. Um, and you know what I mean. So the way you've described it to me, it sounds like a wee bit of a cross between football and netball, or the way the rules are. Yeah, you know, yeah. When you can't have two people uh-huh. defending against the one player and stuff. Yeah, like there's because there's a couple, there's a few different rules, but there's, you know, mm. that's all in the name of spacing out and making it more like mentioning football, more mm. watchable, basically. Aye. And, you know, all I'm, as I've as I've gotten older, what I've realised is that you know, for all the talk about equality and coverage and all that. Mm. Disability is still so far off the map when it comes to... You know, you can't spell disability without ability, my man. Exactly. That's why it's all about ability. Not to diss it. Don't diss ability. <laughs> exactly. But that, that's actually why I came up with the, the name, because mm. you feel like you... When, it, when people look at me, and I'm sure you've had this yourself, they just assume uh, that you're incapable of doing anything, really. And you so, ever had anybody coming up to you like that? Hello, oh, how are mate. you? I am alright, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, oh, you wonder uh, how I got into fights, eh? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just it's it's terrible, mate. Like see, see the amount of people have come up to me, and go, oh, it's so good to mate, so good to see you in a boot and all that, and I'm like, it's so good to see you in a boot with that haircut, mate, as well. Well, well played. Oh, too. for fuck's sake! You're fucking dick. <laughs> I hope he doesn't put your fucking tires down. You should have seen that. But no, it's always. Have you ever noticed it's always the most unattractive guy in in the place? It's always like the I'll pure. Be honest with me, I'm usually the most unattractive guy in the place. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I just mean it's like it's never it's never a pure, um, gem of a guy coming up to you and like that. It, it's always like the because what I've noticed as well is they try and especially do you know what the worst thing is right? Mm. See me, I'm talking to a lassie in like a bar or a club, um. and some guy that you'd never met in your life, and he's like. You know, he's just he's just not a good looking guy. He comes up to you and he's like, "Oh, how you how you doing? Are you, you having a good night and all that?" And then start, tries to talk to the girl you're talking to, and I'm like, "Tell, I have no idea who this guy is, man." Right, that's a that's a guy that can't pull, right? Uh-huh. And what he's done is he's seen a lassie talking to a disabled guy, and he's thought if she's interested in him, she'd be more interested in me because I can go on to a dance floor. Mm-hmm. She doesn't understand that you and I can dance, bro. 
<laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? No, but that's that's the thing. People see what women, if they're talking to somebody with a disability, is maybe having low self-esteem and being an easy target. And I'll tell you something, that is absolutely not the case because I find it's, for me personally, it, it, women with higher self-esteem were always the women that were more responsive to me in that, that environment. Do you know what I mean? So that that's the issue. It's these people themselves have got low self-esteem and they think that this woman's got low self-esteem because she's standing talking to a disabled person within uh, in a nightclub. Yeah. You know, that was you were ticking to that really well and it sums it up spot on, mate. That's exactly what it is. See, actually speaking about this, right? Because you mentioned quite a while back in the conversation how a lot of change for you with the, with mental health and things like that when mm. you met somebody that you fell in love with. Aye. Um, now, because people with disabilities, including myself, have had, you know, sh- struggles with lassies and meeting people and things like relationships and things. What 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 is what was that like for you, like, in terms of actually dealing with that and, and, and figuring out who would be right for you? <laughs> Do you want me to tell you how I met her? Go on. Right. Um, my girlfriend's name is Sammy, right, and I met her on Twitter. And it was because her friend was a wrestling fan. So her friend had followed me and I'd been talking to her pal. So her pal had told Sammy to follow me because of my absolutely tremendous partner. Do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. And um, so it was Valentine's Day, right? And I went like, I'm lying here in the house on Valentine's Day myself. Any chance either of the two years would be up for a ride? Joking, right? So Sammy's DM me and we started talking and stuff like that. And it just went on for there, man. It was like, she, like uh, we we started talking, and then I was like, right, I, I'm kind of for some reason I'm kind of getting into this classy on the internet, so I need to make sure that she's not a fifty year old fucking <laughs> overweight, balding. I've just described almost myself there. Do you know what I mean? But. Uh, but I'm need to make sure she's not me, basically. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, um, I say to her, I say, fancy going out for lunch or something like that, and uh, she said aye, and we went out for lunch, we met for lunch, and then the next night we went out for dinner, and then it just went on from there. We, we really had to off, do you know what I mean? So it was... But Sam, Sammy suffers from uh, ADHD, and had been diagnosed as bipolar, for years, so she had been getting the wrong, the wrong medication and stuff like that, and she only recently got her ADHD uh, diagnosis. So, over the last few years, I've I'm saying I've had to deal with. That's not a, it's like she's had to deal with her mood swings and stuff like that, and the fact that she didn't know what was actually wrong with her was it was adding to it as well. You mm. know, what I mean, I'm saying what was wrong with her. That's that's not what I mean to say, but what her condition was, I should say. Um, and, you know, it's... A lot of people don't have the correct diagnosis. And it's like, sorry, I'm getting a pure itchy nose. means I'm going to be angry. Well, I'm not fucking swagging again, boy. Right, no, uh, it, what it is is a lot of people are getting the wrong diagnosis because there's not as much emphasis put on adult uh, diagnosis for these sort of things as there is in kids now. Yeah. And... You know, it's see the change in Samantha since she got her diagnosis. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. 
she doesn't feel like she needs to take medication or anything like that anymore because she knows what's the matter with her and she's got her own way of dealing with it and treating it, you know. So yeah. it's it really opened my eyes to it because she one minute she would be absolutely at the top end of the spectrum, happy as Larry, having a great day, and I could say one thing and it would just completely flip, you know, mm-hmm. and she would always say to me, you don't understand, you don't understand my condition, you don't understand my condition, and to an extent, I didn't, you know, so there would be times where she would like, maybe lose her temper and start shouting and stuff like that, and I'd be like, who the fuck are you shouting at? And that would just exacerbate it, you know what I mean? So it took me a while to realise, like, when this happens, do this. When this happens, do this, and what have you. And then, eventually, when she got her diagnosis, it was as if a light switch went on, and everything stopped. She she just, I don't know, it was like an, an epiphany to her. All right, this is it. And she's went through all, all the way from she was a kid, all the way right up until now, where... She's like, right, well, this is why that happened when I was a kid. And this is why that happened. And she got all her old school reports and stuff like that. And she, reading the school reports, and then you read what the what the uh, the symptoms are of ADHD. It was like reading the same pamphlet. Like the, the teacher would say, Samantha does this, 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 and this. And then you'd read the... the uh, symptoms of ADHD yeah. and it would be this, 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 this and this and I think that that moment of clarity where she now realised why she was marginalised so much as a kid yeah, you know, and it, it gave her for want of a better expression it gave her like a a, a win if you know what I mean, it mm-hmm. gave her a win because sure. she now knows no, I wasn't a troublemaker I wasn't this, I wasn't that when I was a kid. It was all because of this condition that that folk didn't know about all these years ago. Do you know? So it's to be able to watch the change in her has been absolutely unbelievable. You know, and it's like, we're just we're just a happy wee family now, man. Right? Just the three is me. Well, the four is we've got a wee dog as well, but me and Sammy and my my boy Keen, who I've got for a previous relationship, but it's just a just a happy wee family now, man. It's brilliant. That is brilliant. That's great. Great to hear that. And it just shows you that a lot of these mental health issues do come from un, you know not being diagnosed properly. Correct, man. Absolutely. And that's again going back to like the depression stuff and stuff like that. It might people might feel that they're depressed, but it might not be depression. Mm-hmm. It might be an underlying condition that they don't know that they have. You know. So I would urge anybody that feels that way, to go and speak to a doctor. Go and speak to your mates. Maybe go and like, do you know? what's good for it and people laugh at it but therapy therapy is brilliant for it because a therapist can can pinpoint right well you're doing this 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 and this that's indicators of this condition we want to get you tested for it do you know what yeah. i mean so it, it really battering it, man if you're listening and you're struggling just get a go There's, what have you got to lose what's the worst that can happen you know? absolutely mate because even you know to go back to what you were saying about lionheart earlier adrian um when you look at somebody like that, you know, we talked about going to the gym and how much of a difference that can make, but it's not the be all and end all. And I've realised that as well. So, like, 
through my own thing, it was like the gym helped me and it, I got better. Mm-hmm. But then I started realising that I was feeling fit and great, but I was also still dealing with a lot of negative um, self-talk and a lot of, you know, just a bad image. Um, you know that, that that way where you still, you, you, you change your, your look, but you look in the mirror and you still see the same So you, with some, you know, it's actually having to deal with the thoughts in your head. And I think when you look at those kind of scenarios, like there's too many people out there that are saying, just go to the gym and eat healthy and you'll be, you'll be fine. It's not as, it's not always as simple as that. And, you know, no, certainly not. Adrian, you know, as, you know, he was prime shape, world champion. Well, larger life, mate. So, world, world champion when, when he passed away. Um, I, I still, I still scratch my head to this day. Like, but what I do feel is though is, if he walked through that door now, it would it would be as though he hadn't been away because he's still so prevalent in all our lives, you know. And <laughs> if he did walk through that door now and said, oh, "What about that one for a rugby man?" Eh? You know, I would. Like me and Adrian became really really close before he passed away. Um, but you're saying earlier on you were saying, "Is it not hard to?" living in each other's pockets and stuff like that for a long time me and adrian never got on like for a long time and um it took we, we actually get booked in the same segment for a company bcw after that i think he knew what i was about and it was we became pals and i woke up one morning at three o'clock in the morning to a message just for adrian mccallum through facebook i was like oh what the fuck's this going to be and it was just mad toll. Ha ha ha. I was like, oh, all right, maybe it's happening. He's like, no, and I'm just sitting having a few whiskeys. And I thought to myself, I wonder if toll's up. Then after that, we just kept on talking and stuff like that. And whenever we would, I, I say, have you ever seen Step Brothers? Yes. See the scene where he says, did we just become best friends? <laughs> right, I say that to Adrian. He says, I that's his besties now. And then ever, ever since then, we... We uh, greeted each other, all right, bestie. Whenever we seen each other, all right, bestie. What's happening? By hugs and stuff like that, and just to, the fact that he's not here anymore is heartbreaking. But I think the light that he shone on suicide prevention and on mental health with his passing is you couldn't put a price on it. You really couldn't put a price on it, and. You know, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him forever. And but you know, he's like I say, he's just my big bestie. So it was. Uh, I definitely leaves a huge, a huge gap. And well, I think what you've said, like on it, I think I think he would be very proud of that. So fair play, to you, man. So Thanks very much, man. See, I feel like there's there's so many things I could talk to you about. Hey, I him. want to know. You chased me earlier on. We, me, and you had a run in on Twitter. Now, I've, oh had, God, I've had run-ins on Twitter with so many people, with so many people, and I, I came to realise that social media is a fucking pox on society, right, mm. it's a, it, I hate it with a passion, it's a, you need it now for yeah. everything, but I decided to remove myself from Twitter, remove myself from Facebook, I only keep Instagram now, um, and I've got a Twitter for my other podcast, my movie podcast. Um, so I I try not to get involved with the 
the politics or social media anymore. But I need to hear this one. What is this? Right, so this was many first of all, let's say this is many years ago, right? You're a different person um, now. Well, it was you're not gonna believe what this is about, right? But it was actually about John Cena. Right. Right. Did you slag John Cena? Because I'll fucking fight you right because now. Because at the time, you need to remember that I was, see when he was, see when he was, when the, the peak, you know, Cena, I was Cena, Cena sucks things going on. You were a Cena sucks fan, weren't you? I, I was like a teen and I, I hated him, man. I hate, like, see if, see I if guarantee him. that you know that I was right. I, no, you were absolutely correct. I remember this. I remember do, this. Do you remember <laughs> right, let's go. Let's, let, let the listeners hear what happened. <laughs> So, um, as far as I remember, basically, you, you guys, were, you were talking about how, I was saying basically how much his matches suck and how much he's a terrible wrestler and I didn't like him. And all Tell that. me one bad match. Um, you see, but I think my, my I, I was, my my feeling behind it was basically like. The five, I, the five moves I done. I wanted, I wanted like so cold in that, and I was getting John Cena, and I was like, like I, I was, you know, you're, you're, you're six, mm. 16, 17, you're like, you're not, you're not wanting to listen to this guy with a big purple shirt talking about how much he's love loves entertaining kids, and you're like, but also the the actual matches, um, my favorite wrestler of all time, Shawn Michaels, right? Mm. So it was just at the time I remember. I got into. I really got heavily into watching like the American YouTubers talking about it, and a lot of them. You're influenced by them. Uh-huh. A lot of them really didn't like John Cena, and I had I had like a like Stephen. I just remember I, I remember seeing you like or somebody tweet like how great that match was they had, and I was like he's he's fake man. We talked about, <laughs> but it was just, like you and like. I feel like like the ICW community just jumped on me like what are you talking about man? and I was like I'm gonna just get off Twitter for a bit. <laughs> um, well, that's, uh, that's what I mean when I say social media is a, a terrible place because I you can you can have a debate on it mm-hmm. but it's the it gets, it's the peripherals yeah the peripherals come in and they throw their their ten cents in or their fifty pence whatever you want to say and for there it becomes horrible it becomes horrible because people then start making personal attacks on you you know when you're you're trying to talk about john cena right now if i'll guarantee you a person in your position the same as a person in my position um we're easy targets for that sort of thing right yeah and if somebody sees a picture of you in your wheelchair and you say something like i john cena's shite I let's see you doing it for your wheelchair. Do you know mm, what I mean? Uh-huh. Or like me, um, I made I made a stupid fucking comment about eight or nine years ago on Twitter, right? And it got brought up recently, uh, and it was it was something pure flippant because it was back in the day yeah. when I had a hundred followers, ninety five of them were people that I actually knew, and five people weren't there, right? And Folk can go back and dig up stuff for your past for when you're a different person. Yeah. So it's a horrible, horrible place to be. And recently I had somebody have got me through instant message on Instagram. But now I'm in a position where I go, I'm not going to give this guy the power. Yeah. That's what the block button's for. That's what the block button's for. Right. But 
we all have times where we get dragged into it. Right, I'm saying I'm not going to give this guy the power. But see if that's happening regularly to you in public, which Twitter does, it happens in public. Whereas Instagram, it happens privately most of the time they, because they don't have... Everybody has got the option to send a private message to anybody, which I think is a poor... A poor... Uh, it's a poor feature on Instagram. Anybody can contact anybody, right? Um, so this person sent a message to me and I just says, nah, block. And it empowered me. And that's what I would that's what I would say to people. See if you're finding that you're having trouble on social media and maybe people are giving you jip, for want of a better phrase. That's what the block button's for. See, out of sight, out of mind. Honestly, it's the Definitely. the bottom line, man. It's it's the one good thing about social media is you can see what you want. Definitely. And I do want to just clarify that I do indeed love John Cena. There we go. And I, and I feel... Because it was funny... You're a, you're a let's go Cena guy now. Of course. Who isn't? You know, I, I think you just... Going back to social media, though, you're right. There was a point in time where I actually... I remember when I was in school, I was very much hesitant to put anything out because of the fact that it's just, I was not, you know, it was always going to be criticised in some way or, or slagged off in some way, so I just stopped tweeting things. And it's only actually in the last, like, um, like few months that I just started going, you know what, take your, you know, you know you're not in high school anymore. <laughs> take your filter off and just, just say funny things that come to your mind sometimes. And, That's and it. Do you know what else? You've got a platform now as well, Kieran. So, yeah. you know, people, if somebody does say something to you in, in uh, public, mm-hmm. you're going to have 10 people that are going to defend you, which is good. But it's the private ones that get you. To see the private ones? Like for, for something recent that's happened, like when the England players that uh, missed the penalties in the Euros final, it's all done privately. All done privately. You're this, you're that privately through Instagram, right? Whereas with Twitter, for somebody to send you a private message, both of you have got to follow each other, I think. Yeah, Is that pretty right? much, yeah, yeah. Same way Facebook, both of you have got to follow each other. And unless they send a message and then it goes into a folder that you never ever look in anyway. Right? Uh, uh-huh. But Instagram needs to do something about this because the, the abuse that the boys took after missing their penalties was absolutely shocking. Right? And but what I will say is, it might have been shocking, but it wasn't surprising. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that because see the minute Saka missed that third penalty and England lost that game, I text my mate and I said three black guys missed their penalties, and I'll guarantee you the amount of racial abuse that they guys get the night will be absolutely unbelievable. And within an hour, the FA had put out a tweet saying, "This is this is the uh, yeah. what's happened." It's Football and social media creates a horrible cesspool. It's a it's a cesspit, mate. I think, like in my head, honestly, this is this has been a lot of a lot of fun for me to talk through all this stuff. And there's a bunch of things as well that we haven't covered that I could talk to you about. And um, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This 